Take a deep breath, Garrick. Got it. We're we're about to start, man. This is this is the big time. This is it. This is it. This, you know, I was thinking like uh, you know on Zoom when you record, like it, it pops up and it's like uh, recording in progress, right? You know, and I, I was thinking I've been listening to a lot of like podcast. I've been listening to this podcast, Smartless, uh-huh. a bunch, and it's, you know, it's it's just a bunch of famous people who they got bored during COVID, but but it, they made me realize the. The, the how how this is just a weird apropos of nothing but the the idea that so when Jason Bateman and and those guys get on and Jerry Seinfeld's on and they press record Jerry Seinfeld also has to sit there and go this meeting is being recorded he has to hit <laughs> you know that, 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 right. that the the mundaneness of that action like <laughs> there's it's a great. It's a great equalizer for it's a great equalizer. You, are, you, you have to. You have to press record. You have to, and you, you have, have to, to agree. You have to consent to be recorded. So we, we can. We can. We Do can you consent. consent to be recorded today, Garrick? That's great. I love. I love being recorded. All right. Well, nothing, nothing to hide. You've, you've come. You've come to the right place. <laughs> this. Not, I have nothing to hide. It's a nice cup. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know eleven forty-five in the morning. We both have recently finished breakfast. Yeah. Welcome to Spain. About breakfast time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. I, I finished some good uh, queso tostado. Tostado? Tostada. Queso tostado. Tostado, anyway. yeah. Yeah. Oh. Toast toasted. Yeah, it's, that's just stupid good. That, okay, so there's a whole... Maybe we should do a podcast someday about cheese, but there's so many cheeses in the world. Like, it's just... It's amazing. Garrick, you think Garrick we will lose our <laughs> lactose intolerant audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the lacto... Big, big... Uh, Both of them. Intolerance. Um, but but what is... It is insane. Like, I grew up like you did in, you know, middle America, suburbia. It wasn't that we we didn't eat well. We, we, we ate well. We enjoyed... We had traditional foods and stuff, you know. But when when it came to cheese, it was pretty simple stuff. It's like cheddar, yeah. maybe some mozzarella, maybe some mozzarella. You know, definitely the craft yeah. singles, the craft yeah. singles. You know, which are like, why is anyone eating those? It's, um, it's cheese food. It's not even. Yeah, it's it's cheese product. Yes, cheese product. I mean, okay, I mean, to Texas queso. Okay, we have that. That was that that whole. There's the variations of queso dip, which is a great thing. But but then we, we moved to Europe, and and granted, this has happened in America too. Now now America has all kinds of availability of artisanal and international cheeses but when you live overseas like you really you can really go deep when you live in spain you can really go deep into the the cheese rabbit hole yeah i mean there's a lot of cheeses and a yeah. lot of opportunities and a lot of very you know very very variety within within things yeah it's true it was the same in yeah. sweden we had uh, tons of different varieties and good stuff uh, i don't know yeah, no, I grew up eating uh, what Longhorn cheddar and um, yeah, and uh, maybe some sharp cheddar if we wanted to, you know, yeah, really mix it up, really mix it up. <laughs> maybe maybe a Monterey Jack, which I found out is yeah. just cheddar. It's just not colored. Yeah, it's just a really mild cheddar. Uh, yeah, with a little they put some peppers in there, right? Little... Oh, but that's Pepper Jack. Now that's good. Oh, stuff. that's Pepper. That is good. Stuff. I remember when Pepper Jack came out. I mean, the world was upside down. We yeah, that's like, true. wow. Okay. What is this? What is yeah. this craziness? Yeah. 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 And then and then grocery stores started carrying like the European section of cheeses. They'd have yeah. the really uh-huh. kind of really high class cheeses that were wrapped in plastic and you had your breeze and stuff like I remember yeah, the yeah. first time we discovered feta cheese at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, couldn't get enough of that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Anyway, well, thank you everybody for stopping by. This concludes <laughs> this, con- this concludes <laughs> our, our rabbit trails podcast. <laughs> on cheese. When it when in doubt, just feed your disciples cheese and everything will be better. Uh I think I actually um I met someone the other day um who actually doesn't like cheese. Hmm. And this perplexed me. Yeah. Um, well, but anyway, are, yeah. what does cheese have to do with the gospel, Garrick? Why don't you want to? <laughs> God, <laughs> could you God, transition this, please? <laughs> God loves us, and he, you know, there's all this diversity of wonderful things to eat and enjoy. And because of that, we can we can that point. I think that points back back to uh, back to God. You know what I don't understand? <laughs> that I don't. I don't understand a world in which people try to get cheese to taste like something else. Like, like there's some cheeses where they add things that it ends up not tasting like cheese anymore, but yeah, that thing yeah. that they're adding, you know, kind of like yeah. uh, there's that famous, uh, there's a scene from the movie Notting Hill uh, where he <laughs> has uh, apricots soaked in honey and he offers them to, uh, to, uh, um, well, I can't remember her name. What's her face? Elizabeth Hurley. Who's no, in that movie? No, she wasn't in that movie. She was just dating. He was oh, that's face right. at the time. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Julia he Roberts. Was, uh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. So he offers Julia Roberts uh, apricots soaked in honey, and he says, "Why? No one knows because if because when you soak them in honey, they stop tasting of apricots and taste of honey, but they're but they're yours nonetheless if you want them." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so it all goes back to that, and um, uh, that was you had you you made a mighty effort to get us onto our topic. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. So I think what we were there's there's really no there's no transition here. Uh, I think we you and I have been talking a lot a little bit about movements evangelism um, recently, and and seem even on on the wire. We should plug the wire. The wire is great place on crew workplace if you're on staff with crew and you get on get on there uh check out the wire some great resources and people writing and thinking about things yeah uh um but uh but some some things have been percolating there and so i i recently picked up this book 30 years that changed the world the book of acts for today by uh an anglican uh theologian michael green who um uh, is no longer with us, and I, I had never heard of Michael Green, um, but he's uh, an evangelical Anglican who was a professor at Oxford. Maybe you guys have heard of Oxford. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, maybe <laughs> uh, small college in England. Small college in England. Not, really old. No, don't have a football team. Uh, but uh, but he, he 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 writes a lot about evangelism and mission in in you know, bridging the gap, I think from the, as I look at some of his books, as I, I'm just kind of, but this book has been fascinating. He basically kind of condenses uh, Acts, you know, because Acts is a, is a great book, I think. And I've, I've been, re- that reason I got this is I was reading through Acts, but Acts is like, you know, a lot's going on. And and so he kind of takes and kind of narrows things down. I think in his, his message here is that there's, there's a lot we can learn from the early church, obviously, and what they were able to do miraculously in the power of the Holy spirit uh, and change the course of world history uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so he's, he's got some things he pulls out. And, and I thought one thing we could talk through is he, he's got a, like a list of in, that he drew out of acts of things that he would call preconditions for outreach. Now I, I want to, I, I do think we need to, cause you, you, when we were kind of in the, in the pre podcast 
in the green room in, in the green we, in the green room we were talking about uh you know we're 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 you and I are, are more than 98% against things like trying to re-engineer reverse engineer a movement trying to figure out how to do a movement and let's do all those things and make it happen and that we can we can uh and we I think we've been talking about no really we need to depend on the holy spirit and so I think he 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 comes down firmly in that area he's a uh, a thinker, a theologian, and he's he's not trying to produce a work that says do A, B, and C, but he's trying to produce a work that says this is who we are as Christians, and this is what we should be about, and when we are these things, then, then God steps into that, and maybe something happens. And he talks about some of the, in, 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 the, in the early chapters, some of the best when he was an actual, I guess, a vicar. He, when he was a vicar, I don't know what they, yeah. I think, I think a vicar. Yeah, yeah vicar is yeah. correct. When he was a vicar, that he talks about the, the the times when there was actual people coming into the church and knowing Jesus. When he was a pastor, usually he had no way of explaining why that was happening, mm-hmm. um, and he can't he you know there wasn't anything they were doing specifically. But I think he's trying to push us maybe towards these 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 core values of who we should be as Christians. So maybe with without uh, further ado, we can get into this preconditions for reaching out. What who should we be? So, so before we do that, maybe one analogy of the difference between descriptors of what was present in a movement that describe mm-hmm. who we should be and trying to reverse engineer that. Exactly. I think that's it. a great point. It's yeah. much like, it's much like when <clears throat> I was in college and, you know, you take your first college seminar class or you go to some meeting, how to get better grades or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they say things like, uh, you know, you are 75% more like likely to um, to succeed uh, in life and get things done if you write those things down and if you write your goals down. Yeah. yeah. And so everyone would sit down and, and write their goals down. Okay. So people have been doing that for 20 years, but goal, lots of goals have not been reached. So what yeah. does that, what does that tell you? It doesn't tell you that it's the writing down that, that makes people, that makes people uh, succeed. It is that successful people tend to be focused. Therefore, they write it down. Yeah. So you can't re- reverse engineer a writing yeah. down. It's not the writing down. There's nothing magical in the writing down of things, but it is rather that typically people who are going to succeed are driven so much that they write them down and tend to do that. So it, it's yeah. a, it's a, you know, you're putting the cart before the horse if you think that it's the writing down that's going to make you successful. And I, I think he's probably saying, and I haven't read the book yet, uh, but he's probably saying the same the same thing. Doing these things will not make, but let you're not going to see that without these things is yes, for certain. Exactly, exactly, hundred um, percent. And and so I and I think what he also makes a very good point in the book that our job, the the Great Commission. Is not our job. God's in charge of that. God does that, and we're liberated. We're actually liberated. And I think that maybe some we 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 need to. I think young, maybe younger Christians and even myself, I need to hear that is we're liberated. Our job is just to go out and enjoy God, do be 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 open to Holy Spirit, go do the things He's calling us. Doesn't mean we just sit back and hang out on the couch unless. Right. Uh, but we go do things. But we understand that whatever happens is really up to God. It's not our responsibility. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that and um, because we live in a world of a lot of processes and, well, we live in a world where we're constantly being bombarded even with do this, 
And the, I mean, it's not even just in missions and evangelism. It's, it's across the board in most things in our world. If you do this, you get this. And if you do that, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the, uh, the early retirement folks, right? Just do right. these things, you know? Right. I mean, and I'm not saying that's, that's wrong, but that's, that's our way of, that's the kind of social thinking that we do. We look right. for processes. We look for answers. We look for solutions. Um, and I think the Christian faith is one that offers a great solution, but doesn't offer a simple solution on how to do that life. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so bring us. Okay. Let's get ahead of senior. Michael Oxford. Green. Michael Green. Michael Green. Michael Green. Uh, Michael Green. So he's going to say, as he looks at Acts, he sees these four things happening in the, in the communities. Number one is obedience. Do we want to read all four of them and then go back for? You want to take? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 read all four. Okay. Of them okay. We'll so go. we got obedience. Uh, then we have prayer. Oh. Uh, third is unity. The unity of of the body of Christ. And fourth, we have an openness to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So. So the first one was, I'm sorry, it was obedience. prayer, unity, obedience. Obedience, prayer, unity, and um, openness to the Holy Spirit. So, okay, so <clears throat> obedience. Mm-hmm. What does that look like to be a group of people that therefore changes the world? Mm-hmm. How, do, how, do we, how do we get that one right other than without becoming... Um, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, I don't, I don't know how, how you would want to describe it, but even evangelical situation that maybe leaned a little bit. Well, there, there are always veins in evangelicalism or in Christianity or whatever uh, legalism, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you promote obedience without becoming legalistic? Oh, this may not be, this, this may not be where he's going, but it's something I think a lot about. How do you proclaim, mm-hmm. Hey, to make Jesus known, we've got to obey him. And then how do you keep that quote unquote purity yeah. or that, uh, yeah. that adherence? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I would say too, there's, there's, there's like kind of two types of obedience, right? One is obedience to go, I think. And maybe, maybe I'm filtering that as a staff of crew who were okay. very much about the great commission of go, go, but there is an act of that, which he, he says in the book too, you know, being obedient to God's call in our lives when it comes to morality, sex, um, you know, how we spend our money, um, those things. So, so you're right. So I think you bring up a great, a great question. And I think a great concept here that, you know, maybe doesn't get talked, spoken a lot of it, but it's just why we need unity because he's going to be looking at it from an Anglican mainline denomination perspective. Right. Right. And I think you're looking, you're, you're asking the question with more from Cruz perspective or, or, which independent churches, wider evangelicalism. And I think in the, in the, in the evangelical church, we have a tendency to be very, cause we're newer. We have a tendency to be very rigorous in, in at least what we say is, is moral. And I think he's coming at it from a sense of, Oh man, I'm in the main line. We've lost that rigor. We've lost that okay. discipline. We've yeah. lost that obedience um, to the word of God. Because and I think that would be as a Presbyterian, I would say the similar thing. Like we we have in some not always, but we have in many cases we've gone so far to 
to the other end of like, yeah, well, it doesn't, it's all right. It doesn't matter, but we need to recapture. A, a, so I think he's probably arguing for a wider sense of obedience oh, interesting. To, the, yeah. to the Bible, but probably from a, that's still a little bit more worked out in a personal uh, communal way. Yeah. Um, and, and probably still is going to be lighter than a lot of evangelical experiences of. Um, so, so it's obedience. interesting to me what I, I wonder but still the question, I, th- I still think we need to get in that question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, in order, I think to get to that question, I think in part, um, he may not go into this in the book, but I think it's important for us to explore what are the assumptions that go into or the what has to pre-exist in order for these four things to be true and helpful mm-hmm. for changing the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that was certain, to, well, I think maybe two things uh, I can't think of as, gosh, I, this happens to me more often lately. Um, theologian, English, N.T. Wright. That's right. Sweet Who mercy. you met. You've had lunch with N.T. Wright. We we, 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 tri- we we tricked him into it. But anyway, Still. we won't tell him that, N.T., if you're if you're listening, which I know you're not. But uh, thank you for that lunch. Yeah, he's a big fan. You never know. Yeah, he's yeah. probably a big fan. He's probably could be a big fan. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so he, in one of his books, he, um, I think, uh, I think it's why the gospel is good news or just good news. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he talks about the fact that early on in the church, basically it, it was just incredible news. So, and it was changing life. So it wasn't just that it was good news, but it was cha- literally changing people's lives. So yeah. the Holy yeah. spirit came in, um, People experienced freedom. It was breaking down barriers. That would probably be the unity. Like what we mm-hmm. we we maybe don't tend to think of the way that the in especially in the book of Acts, the way that the good news of Christ's um, death, burial, and resurrection and return created unity among slave and free, mm-hmm. among slave and master, which was just crazy right yeah so i think that some of the underpinnings of that obedience come out of a certain amount of zeal and life change that was people were experiencing Mm -hmm. so so i wonder part of part of i think every generation of believers has to renew not not revival but has to find ways to renew and refocus the good news so that people obey out of a yes, out of duty. I mean, you know, there are just things it's like, no, this is my character. I'm I'm not going to do this, but also the sense of, no, this is worth it, that they feel the value of it. Therefore obedience becomes real and legitimate versus, well, I don't know why I'm obeying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and what you're talking about too is one borders on manipulation and yeah. cultic behavior of, of of making people obey out of obligation. Whereas what we see with 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 the way of grace, you know, is is obeying out of passion, love, joy, this sense that my life has, you're right. My life has been changed, but I'm now I, I'm going to go and obey God because you're right. It is worth it. It is. And it is the, it is the thing to do. It's not 
a thing to do. It is the thing to do, and it's good. And I, th- and I think we, uh, it's a, it's a fine line though. Even even in churches that are very gracious and loving and have a good, you know, because it's easy for us to go. I get what I get out of this. What you know, obedience yeah. gives gives me something. Uh, well, yeah, how many it, how many times have you seen, or I, I know I've seen disciples in in certain situations, or even people I've known who just go, I can't keep it up, yeah. right? So, yeah. so I, that obedience um, to the mandates, ways, and call of Jesus is incredibly important. But it, I think it, I think it does. The underpinnings of that right. are are that true. Um, I don't know. Conv- I don't know the right word. I don't want to. I don't want to say certain things because then it 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 tips off into a different theological category. Like if I say a true conversion experience, then there's a certain amount of people who will be certain thinking one thing or whatever else. I'm yeah. just saying your your faith is such that it's real and it's grounded in the person of Jesus and you hold on to okay i'm going to obey him yeah yeah i'm not sure that there's anything we can do to make people be obedient except yeah. kind of it's kind of the adage you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink yeah we can try to create the atmosphere <clears throat> where obedience is encouraged and and attractive um but we can't make that happen yeah. Well, th- this is the great lesson of the Old Testament, right? You know, obey the, the obedience of within the Old Testament. And then what did it, what did we shift? And, and God says in the, in the, I don't know which minor prophet, but in the prophets, I, I don't care about your, you know, your, your sacrifices. I don't care. These are ugly to me because you don't have love. You don't, you don't, you don't truly love. And so I think we get, we're going back to, to that as well of like, and so how, how do you make people love God? How do you make people love other people? Uh, you know, you just got to lead them to Jesus and hope mm-hmm. things happen there. Um, and and I think you can create those spaces. Um, and certainly, and certainly, churches I think do need to exercise discipline, right? You know, there's times when there are people yeah. who who are causing dangerous problems in the church, and that that that, that makes sense. Uh, there's times to say, "Hey, I'm sorry, you know, it's not working. It's not working out." Uh, right. You know, but our our goal is, you know is love, you know, to be as corny as possible. Uh, But that's what it's about. You know, the Beatles were right, but they got the wrong type of love, you know? Yeah. So, so, so how does prayer then involve in this? Okay. Obedience and prayer. Yeah. So prayer would be the next, the next thing. And, uh, you know, that's a great question. How, how would prayer, um, but I think it, it, he doesn't spend a lot of time. He just says they prayed a lot, you know? Uh, and he says, you know, it's, it's a but prayer's difficult and it's unfashionable. He says, um, you know, he makes a point. It's unfashionable obedience and prayer, not things necessarily in our society and our, even our churches that we sometimes talk up. Um, I, I certainly could pray, pray more. You know, I, I, I wonder if this is, um, a result of, of being American, of being in an activist organization, both like, I mean, I've been in an activist organization, you know, organization that is in, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate to serve in many countries, but mm-hmm. it's heavily influenced by the Americans who pass through. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm not sure my experience maybe 
isn't the best because I know that there's other, let's say missions organizations where prayer is valued differently and people mm-hmm. spend a lot more time in prayer. Yeah. Um, I do, I do wonder though, cause we, we tend to be a doing people, mm-hmm. especially as Americans. And so prayer, sometimes we don't frame it, or at least I know in my life, let me, let me speak there. I don't frame it. I don't think of it as doing something. And so I'm ready to get active. And, um, but I I wonder, have you, I wonder if in acts, how much of the prayer they were doing was intercessory kind of the Lord help, you know, make this happen. We pray for this to happen. We pray for this to happen or how much of it was contemplative. How much of it was, yeah, that's a good question. Um, praying prayers of the saints that confess emotions that, yeah. Cause there's so much more prayer out there. Prayer is a really wide yeah. uh, and deep, I don't know, spiritual practice. I, I don't know that bit doesn't, isn't, isn't particularly clear in acts. Right. So like you've got prayer meetings that are happening, but what were happening at those prayer meetings? I, I don't yeah. know. Cause when you say prayer meeting, I don't know about you. I often tend to think, well, I tend to think of my charismatic experience in, in th- those kind of prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was that what they were doing? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, maybe later in the book, he's going to unpack some of these things some more. I do think, you know, on one hand, you have Paul talking about, I was praying for you and you know, we were praying constantly for you guys. So there was obviously intercessionary prayer, Yeah, but I don't, I don't think a community that was built out of the Jewish psalms you know right. which which psalms you have the, this great you know uh litany of all kinds of prayers you know laments praises so you know i i, I you know this the sense i would want to get about the new testament church was that they were very connected in prayer they did it a lot and they were you know it was it was the whole gamut and and i think part of it i mean it just had to be an incredible time to be alive or, or to get martyred or, or whatever was going to happen. But, but this, this idea that, you know, you knew people who knew Jesus. Yeah. You were seeing things happening. And so the, my, my guess, you know, I'm not trying to get us off the hook here, but it was, it was prayer was probably just, just such an important part of their lives because it was so more, maybe much more tangible and much more. And when I say tangible, maybe that's more about, because we've, I've, you know, we don't, pray as much there had to be something going on there that was just powerful for people um you know i mean you had a guy paul like a few months ago this guy was trying to kill us and throw us in jail and now he's he's leading the move i mean things like that and we see that those things happen still to this still you know we see those things happen uh you know it's not i don't think that's we're always going to see those things happen i don't think that's not necessarily normal but there are moments when god does break in and does some amazing things um, well, I do. I do think that the attitude towards prayer is cultural, and I don't mean. I don't just. I, I both mean organizational, but also, yeah. also mm-hmm. like cultural, like pertaining to a specific group of people. Yeah. Um. So. So there's two things in that. Because I, I mean, I'm. I. I remember in, in when I was in North Africa, I would go over to a friend's house, and um, a lot of times women there would just leave 
um, the Quran channel on. And so there would be the Quran quoting in the background mm -hmm. and they would stop every so often and say prayers. They were rote prayers. You just, you see Jesus talk about how he doesn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't always impressed with the roteness. I think we go to the other side of that in the, in the Protestant evangelicalism, at least the veins that I grew up in and kind yeah. of go, you can never ever pray anything that anyone else has ever prayed. And it has to be spontaneous yeah. and, yeah. you know, whatever. And <clears throat> that's a, that's an error, but you do see cultures, uh, even non-Christian cultures who prayer is a much more important part of life than yeah. I think, honestly, what, what can be Protestant evangelicalism. Yeah. Um, which, Okay, so we've had some people uh, ask, hey, a lot of times you guys will talk about Protestant evangelicalism. Do you just mean Protestant evangelicalism that's in the U.S. because you're coming from there? Or sometimes you'll reference it. Yeah, uh, I want to be clear that I think the Protestant evangelicalism that we're referencing tends to be, um, well, what I think in large measure is is presently influenced by the American church. So it's hard to go anywhere in the world today where you you don't have some kind of influence from yeah. the American church, even if you're reading local theologians. Yeah. Um, I would say that's outside of mainline, mainline denominations like Lutheran uh, or Anglican or those things uh, in, in specific countries, because they're not looking to the States in the same way. Although Gosh, if you're a young person, you're probably picking up some podcast or something from someone or yeah. you're listening to Hillsong. So it's hard. It, it's hard. It depends because, you know, evangelicalism as a whole is so diverse and yeah. so wide and so and has these fringes as well. Uh, there's a lot of fuzziness. Um, you know, you, you, you all the way from someone like um, Miroslav Volf, who probably wouldn't consider himself an evangelical, but is highly influenced by evangelicalism. Right. And, and he still might. I mean, he would, at one point he would say he was an evangelical. He taught at Fuller. Uh, his yeah, main, I mean, he was, I mean, he, he did stuff for crew and, you know, recently did stuff for crew. So he's, mm -hmm. he's in that, that shade. Now what people are calling are, you know, if I call myself an evangelical or not, does that mean I'm an evangelical? Right. You know, right. how do we find, I, I would put for Miroslav Wolf in the evangelical scope into right as well. But then all that scope runs all the way down to some very, very, very conservative churches that would even say someone like into right is a heretic. So right. we're, you know, that's, that, that, that is such a wide, and then it goes global as well. So it's, it's really hard to, to nail pin down. down. It's like trying to, it's trying to like nail jello to a wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I always have this this problem with evangelicalism when people start talking about it, and then people saying, "Well, evangelical is this." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but no, like it it isn't, right. it isn't." You know, and so right. you're trying to. It's the same thing with Catholicism. There's a lot of the same thing happens. You know, we kind of go, "Well, Catholicism is this." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but but also no." It's it's a billion people. It, right. It's gonna. There's some diversity and right, you, right. you know, maybe not. Is it a billion? I don't know, but you know, it's a lot of people. Evangelicalism is pushing 600, 700 million. Yeah. Um, has to be globally, you know. So how, how do you how do you even nail that down? It's it's incredibly but but I but I, th I think I, I agree with what you're saying. Is like we that there tends to be a core block that maybe crew is more associated that tends to be pretty global, globalist and more influential. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, my my sorry, that was a, a massive aside and and good for no, you, as well. good for you to go on that because I th- I do think it's important. But yeah. um, I, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that there are different cultures that that do pray, yeah, uh, and pray quite a bit. I mean, Swedes, uh, I would say, pray a lot more than than I as an American uh, tended to do, and that's something that I learned to really respect and admire. Uh, in my time in Sweden. So I think, I think all those things are important. I, yeah. So I do think that there are cultures that do pray more. And yeah. I think, I think among uh, parachurch activists, organizations, you tend to, you have a spectrum of things, of course, but we're also, we define ourselves by what we're doing. Right. So yeah. I think sometimes the culture of that, so it would be interesting, I guess, in one sense, Part of it would would be just a, just an evaluation of how much time are we actually giving to prayer, yeah. Uh, to to think about and to say, you know, is this something that we really value? What is the value of prayer? And yeah. in, in, at the end of the day, is it is it built into our the culture of our communities? Yeah, and yeah, I think I think for me, prayer is prayer is a. Um, is an orient is reorienting my heart. So mm-hmm. I find that that's what prayer does for me is it reorients my heart, which wants to go in a million other different directions yeah. to, and it grounds me uh, to, to the father and to the son. I think that's a great, a great way to look at it. I, I think, I, I think where, where the danger is in a lot of prayer is we tend to make it a rub the genie kind of thing, and um, depositing our coins in the vending machine. Yeah, and getting you know, um, getting things, um, and some of those things may be very selfless things even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we're, we miss the the ability to connect with God. I, I, I a long time ago I was doing I was in an Alpha group with in Dallas. And it was it was a lot of young professionals, and then there was an Indian guy uh, who was studying at SMU, and he was seeking Jesus. He was you know looking for God, but he was he was Hindu and had his family was uh, you know even had some kind of some spiritual experiences uh, in Hinduism of like healings, and so they were he was pretty strongly Hindu. But as we were going through the Alpha course, it was you know they're teaching you what well, is Christianity, and then it's a great it's a great course. And uh, it does a great job. And we, we got to the part about prayer. Prayer is usually early on. And then because it's a outreach kind of thing, you start actually asking people, well, let's pray. You know, even though you're not a Christian, we're, we're going to pray. And my, this group I was in was most of the people were Christian. They were from Christian backgrounds, except for this one, this one Hindu guy. And I, I remember as people started sharing their, their prayer requests, I remember it, it was, it was shocking in the sense of hearing it and hearing it through this guy's ears because he would, they would be, I, well, I want to get a better job or, you know, thinking about buying a house or I need a new car. It was, it was all this about stuff and advancement. And I remember the, the guy pulled me aside at one point, this Hindu guy, he goes, Hey, so as I'm studying Christianity, I got the sense that it's really about giving up things and serving others mm-hmm. and not being focused on yourself. Is that is that correct? Because I'm not getting it from what these other Christians are talking about. I'm like, yeah, you 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 understand it better than they. I basically I said you understand it better than they do. Um, and he he eventually became a Christian and wow. has helped. You know, he I think he's helped plant a couple of churches in a 
in, in Dallas. Great, great guy. Um, but, but we, 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 we have a weird, and I think it's just human nature. It's human nature to want to, what do I pray for? I pray for, you know, yeah, we, I make we, the, I make, I make varsity football. Great. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's a worthwhile goal, but, uh, it is a worthwhile. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, I, I, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. He, he under, he understood it. So maybe, maybe in the prayer. So there's an interesting thing. So, okay. So we've said obedience mm-hmm. that, that helps to obedience. Isn't personal, but also communal. Mm-hmm. Prayer works to orient our own heart, but also the hearts of others. So as we pray, I would say with proper, how do you say, properly oriented, properly directed prayers, then we're, then we're helping to disciple each other. Because we're discipling each other when we say, Lord, I pray that you would help me advance in my career. Uh, I really want to get this job. We're discipling each other to, okay, this is the important stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Because I noticed that my kids, my kids' prayers are starting to reflect my own. Yeah. Uh, so I'm discipling them in the way that I'm praying. So there's a yeah. discipleship method or, or reality there. I, it's not method. It's reality. It just, yeah. it happens this way. Yeah. So we need to be aware of that. Um, so to think, to think theologically properly, uh, in our in our prayers uh unity unity uh i i every time i i hear someone say what is unity i think to uh the movie anchor man where they say diversity well that's <laughs> diversity i may be wrong but i think diversity is an old old wooden ship used in the civil war <laughs> Uh, I kind of, I kind of feel like when people say unity, my, my thought goes, oh yeah, that old, old wooden ship yeah. because no one really understands. I don't think I'm always, let me, let me, rather than, rather than, uh, besmirching, uh, those who try to say we need to be unified. Mm-hmm. I don't ever fully understand what they mean when they say unity or unified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's because it seems, question. it seems to me so much of the time. When we say we need to be unified, what we really mean is you all need to yield to what I think is right. Is yeah, really, yeah. really what, what people yeah. mean, and yeah. I don't think I don't think that's the case. So, no. yeah, I think we, we we well, I think and what what he 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 makes a good point. What you made earlier was this, you know, this idea of slave and freedmen mm-hmm. or masters and slaves are in the same and freedmen. But you know, he makes a point of like this was a this was a, a community that incorporated. Simon the Zealot, you know, a passionate anti-Roman, uh, and Matthew, who was a collaborator with the Roman Empire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and they they are now, or Paul, who was you know involved in person, you know, so 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 I, I so I think there's a couple. I think there's a couple of things. But one, he's talking about you know I think more in the actual community, right? That the, this that the community that whatever it is, whether it's First Baptist of uh, Antioch or, you know, second Presbyterian of, you know, Philippi, whatever it was that those groups are, are unified. They're not divided They're but they, and they're bringing people in and they're, uh, and, and so people look at that community and go, wow, look, that's crazy. Look at all those people. And, and yeah. they, how do they get together? How, how do they, how do they do that? Or at least the way they're living and loving each other, you know. Even I'm not saying this has to be 
always a diverse. I mean, diversity is great. Uh, but, you know, being unified means, you know, living in love. Now, I think there's a, you just touched on a bigger question, which is what does it mean in a, in a world for us, in a world where, I mean, okay, Dallas, Texas, let's just use that. I mean, I would, you know, the, the, this is writ large. In, in Dallas, Texas, within a five-minute drive, we went, once counted, of, my, of where my wife grew up, in a five-minute drive, you can hit like 15 churches. Maybe 15 more. 15 or 50. 15. 15. Maybe, so maybe it's a five-minute drive, so a really short drive. Like all, right. like home, some of them you can like throw a rock and hit them from the other, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. and granted, there's some, there's some, there's, you know, Catholic, there's Baptist, there's Presbyterian, there's Church of Christ, there's Presbyterian Spanish-speaking, there's uh, Nigeria. I mean, there's all, there's Korean Presbyterian, there's all these things were, you know, so there's, and, and, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to necessarily say that it's bad to have a bunch of churches because those are all doing certain important work and they're, and some are reaching different, you know, populations. Uh, so, so what, you know, so, so, so what I, I think what there is, uh, so I'll just use an example, maybe where I would go with that is not to say that we shouldn't have those go. Yeah, that's fine. You're, you're doing that thing. You're Baptist, super go for it. You're over here, and 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 so I think where I see a, a, a image of unity would be uh, two years ago, three years ago. Oh man, a huge tornado came through and just, hmm. and it hit. It went right through my wife's neighborhood. It hit a bunch of those churches. What what happened very quick, and it particularly hit was this Spanish speaking Baptist church and destroyed their building. For uh, Highland Park Prez in more central Dallas. We're on the scene and started raising money and got that church back up on when it's. Mm. This is, so this was a, a Spanish-speaking church, predominantly Mexican, American, probably some illegal people. Uh, uh, um, not uh, upwardly mobile, and this was a. On the other hand, this was Highland Park Press, uh, probably one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in in America, if not the world. Uh, with resources highly upwardly mobile, highly educated, don't speak Spanish, came in and unified with this church to get the, their church back on to help to serve their community. So to, when I look at that, I feel that's unity. That's something mm-hmm. special. But no one said you got to be Baptist or you got to be Presbyterian or we're gonna we're gonna argue right. about infant baptism and and not. But we're like, hey, we believe, you know, we we can go our separate ways and be separate. So I think there's something there too that we we, we need to recapture as well. Because we're we're talking about a different time, you know. Back then, it, it was literally just the church, right? Well, you know? it, but I think I think that's helpful in in clarifying, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. Because for I think that's a that's a perfect example. Because uh, lately, I've been wondering. Uh, let's say that there were. I don't know, a situation in the world and where one very large country was threatening to attack uh, another small country in the coming smaller, days. Yeah. And, um, or yeah, a smaller yeah. country who they used to formally rule. And uh, let's say that there happened to be international organizations which had staff in let's both say, countries and they yeah. had annual meetings where those staff were going to show up. What would the tension in the room be? Yeah. I've been thinking about a lot about that because there has to be and I know myself, look, I, I am, you know, American. Um, I grew up in the States and America has been involved in lots throughout the world. What, what is most important about me if I were to meet 
uh, someone, uh, a fellow believer from one of the countries that America has been involved with war in, in yeah. uh, all over the world uh, in recent years or in the past. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I hope that we could find a measure of unity. Uh, so I, so I think part of, part for me, when I think about unity for the believer, what is the most important thing that defines me is the fact that we worship with the same Lord. Yeah. Amen. Therefore, everything else becomes secondary and yeah. can still be tense. I mean, there were, there were, there were fact, or there were, you know, dissensions in the church, um, in the early church, there were lots of problems, but at every turn they were called to worship of, of the same savior. So I, for me, I think the example you gave, maybe even the example that we currently have going on in the world, but man, that's, that's really hard to do, which again, goes to the posture of the heart, right? It mm-hmm. goes to the, I have to really think about where is my posture? Where is my allegiance? Yeah. Who, who am I really? It's yeah. a redefining of my ultimate citizenship. Yeah. Uh, or my ultimate denomination or whatever yeah. else. Yeah. So it's not, you have to come over to my side, but rather, okay, how do I, how do I move forward? Well, it's, it, I think you, what you, it's a, it's posture. I think we said, you know, if we're about love and grace and it, it, there's a weird thing that's happened recently in the world where it seems that, you know, there's this need to really draw hard lines. And, and there's always been a segment of Christianity that does that. There's, you know, in the Catholic church, there's still people who are like, Protestant is bad, evil, you know, and, and they've got, they've got good reasons actually. Uh, and then you, you know, you've still got people on the other side, going, hey, you guys in the Presbyterian church are, you know, heretics. And so you still got those people draw. I, I think, I, I think that it comes to a very uncharitable place. And I, I, I think those people are often in very bad places theologically. And, you know, I would say if you're, if you're someone who's like that, you, you need to look at your heart. You need to look at, there's definitely, there's definitely the, the, a need to protect people and say, uh, but if you're, if you're protecting people by, tearing and attacking and cutting off connection with other people. I don't, I don't see, you know, Jesus didn't live that way. He, he was hanging out with Samaritans, you know, uh, he was in, in, in the early church were really quick about, you know, absorbing people in who may probably didn't have it all together. Um, and, and not necessarily, I just, I don't see that the posture of us as Christians is to be so, you know, uh, we can certainly define ourselves, but I think there's a gracious and open and loving and compassionate way to do that without, and, and to take firm stands. I'm not saying we shouldn't take firm stands, but there's a weird thing that's happened sometimes where it's, it becomes very ugly, I think. And I think that is um, also where we, I think the, the flip side of this, which is uh, the ugliness. And we, we, we see that in American culture. We see that, I see it in the Spanish culture among evangelicals sometimes, um, you know, this, uh, we did that. So, you know, you're, you're out. Right. Which is, it's interesting. Cause I think if you think about acts and then, I don't know, I don't think you, I don't think you can think about acts without, without also thinking, reading the epistles that, that were written during that time period as well. Right. So, because yeah. they're, they're instructive as to what was going on also in that yeah. time. Um. And so much of the the unity message really comes down to a few essentials, but also mm-hmm. some strong leadership of rebuke. Yeah, um, there's definitely discipline. We can't and, and well, but I would also say 
a strong leadership of rebuke that often said a pox on both your houses. Yeah. Uh, leadership yeah. doesn't do that enough. I, I just kind of feel like sometimes a leader, I, I, and I think it's hard to do because you're going to, you're going to make both sides wrong, you know, mad, but yeah. I think a lot of times you have to go, look, this is, this is terrible. And both of you need to stop it, <laughs> you know, yeah. this sort of yeah. thing and, and call to a greater, a greater unity. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a true true. way, not in a just, you know, I don't like that my kids are arguing, so I'm going to make them stop, but rather, um, to, to bring us, to lift our eyes up to something that's more important. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the things that I'm very honored and proud of working in crew with is crew has set aside a lot of that because we, we have people from many, many denominations, many different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. uh, working together uh in unity yeah normally uh <clears throat> excuse me uh normally uh you know there, there's occasionally some 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 conflict and stuff but it usually gets sorted out it seems like um and but but as an organization that's our goal our, our, our organization is to unify people in the completion of the of the great commission yeah. and and i being presbyterian uh have never felt like this isn't the place for me yeah um but i know if i were to go to work in a baptist church and i love baptist baptists are great but i know i wouldn't feel as right 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 there you know and yeah. and that's that's not that's not to say there's anything wrong with that but just to say there's differences we have differences and so right i so crew has created this space and a lot of other organizations as well intervarsity that where tons of people from all kinds of different backgrounds and some different varying but they're united in key essentials right the core right you know, um, I would say well, maybe, maybe maybe that is one of the keys to to unity. Then is allowing for a certain amount of uh, breadth of or- orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you achieve that in denominations. Uh, I mean, obviously there's factions and denominations too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, but but I mean, or between denominations. But but I think that they're well. A Presbyterian church helping a Baptist church on things that are non-essential, or you know, or that are, that are essential rather. Yeah, uh, they're they're giving charitably in that way. I think that's a yeah. good example. Yeah. What was it? What was the fourth one? Openness to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I'm not. I know. I got my I got my plan, Barrett. I have my strategic plan for the next three years. I know what we're gonna do. There's, you know. Yeah. I, I I I think you know that is something we talk a lot about in crew and and God God bless Bill Bright and and Bonnette for kind of making the Holy Spirit that you know because we don't talk the Presbyterian Church Holy Spirit is kind of yeah he's he's assumed right he's working he's assumed but he's working through our committees and and mm-hmm. and everything uh, and but we don't we don't don't talk a lot of. Um, so, so, so maybe here's a question. If, do you have to know you're open to the Holy Spirit to be open to the Holy Spirit? I think it's one of, I think it's a question of posture, but I also think, yeah. I also think, I also think it's important to, I think it's important to have a posture that the Holy Spirit is big enough and strong enough and always at work enough that when he needs to, he 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 will he will be he will be working in ways which supersede or you know overtake what what we thought we understood 
Mm-hmm. So I, think, I think one of the examples being that of Gentiles in the early church, right? So the Holy Spirit yeah. intervenes in Peter's life to make it very obvious to him, hey, these Gentiles are okay. I'm going to give them my Holy Spirit. But that's a that's a, a crazy work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In that that that's a supernatural experience that yeah. the, the Holy Spirit just breaks in. And the book of Acts is is full of that in order to establish yeah. uh, lots of things. I think on the other hand, part of the part of the openness is to say, well, we're gonna do these things, but God may have another plan. And yeah. and he may he may do something completely different and to rejoice when maybe what we're doing doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. I th- I think you're right. I think I think the optimal thing is that we want to be open and and it's a posture of the heart, right? To open to what God's doing and and that because you know it says don't grieve, don't quench the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And that's when you go when something does happen you go whoa whoa whoa, no, we're not doing that. Right? You know, like that's that's the thing. So so just you know this is brought to mind a little bit of you two mysterious ways he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, one day you'll look back and you'll see where you were, where you were held now by this love while you could stand there, you can move on this moment, follow this feeling spirit moves you uh, move spirit. It moves you. Oh yeah. Does it move you? So he's saying, cause he's talking about a little bit of John the Baptist and the, 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 the story of his life in that and how, Spirit might have been present, but he's saying, you know, maybe we look, we all will look back and see moments when the spirit did do things that we weren't really aware of, but did take us in different directions or new, new places because, um, but, but that's the thing. Are, are we open to being moved? Um, and I think that's a, it goes back to prayer of having our hearts uh, soft, open, obedient, full of, mm-hmm. full of love and joy. Um that's a hard thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I've got any of that figured out. Um, no, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how much of this just goes back to at the end of the day. Um, um, the posture of our heart before an almighty <laughs> and gracious <laughs> and loving God. Right. So is our conversion experience true or whatever? Like it, it, it comes back to the, the reality is, is our, look, are our lives being changed and have been changed by yeah. this savior is the message of his glorious return active and present in our lives. And does it continue to affect change in our own lives, which yeah. therefore then compels us not in a abusively kind of compulsive way, but rather a out of genuine response to something where we're making him known. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I kind of go back to the beginning of the underpinnings of acts. It's, it's not, the, these things didn't happen in a vacuum. So it's not like these four things were like, Hey, here's my recipe, yeah. but rather, Hey, something's really going on. And these seem to be indicators of, of when something's really going on, you see these things happening. Um, and none of these things would be bad to concentrate on in your life. Right. So exactly. say, Hey, you know, how's my prayer life going? Cause I want to look like the, people in acts well maybe focusing on how can i improve my prayer life is a good idea or my openness to the spirit but all of that goes back to a to a uh, an orientation of the heart and mm-hmm. where is our heart orient or, orientated oriented what's the, i don't know i like them both english is hard yeah i i uh i, I think you i think you've hit on the key there 
it, it, it is where's our relationship with, with Jesus and in the community of the church, where's our relationship with Jesus? You know, are mm-hmm. we calling people are we helping people? And, and that's, it's, I think that's, uh, that's maybe that's the, the trick, right? That's the, that's the answer to the, the, the $25,000 question. How do we, how do we start movements? Just get closer to Jesus. Yeah. You don't, you don't, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you, that's it. You, you, you don't you get closer to Jesus, yeah. get closer to Jesus. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's about all you can do. It seems it's funny because that phrase seems both too simple and too complex all at the same mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's too simple because, well, there's other stuff that kind of sort of has to happen, but maybe not. Um, then at the same time, it seems too complex because I can't make any of that happen. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's just this. And so it's like, well, maybe at the end of the day, it's the movement of the spirit that really yeah. is, is what's going to, to break through. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean we take human thinking out of it. Paul was a deep thinker and a strategist, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he didn't, you know, what bothers me about Paul not bothers me. Makes you uncomfortable. I think it should make us a little uncomfortable or perplexed because I don't think it fits our, our, our model. Um, Paul wasn't afraid to move on if he felt like an entire culture just rejected Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think Paul knew that there would be people in that place, hopefully who would, who would do the plotting. So I think p- part of it is Paul wasn't a plotter. Paul was a instigator instigator. Yeah. yeah. So, but a bit, of, but I think we're a little bit uncomfortable sometimes when, if we really thought about how much Paul was like, okay. Yeah. I, well, I, mean, I think we still need guys like that. We, we need people who show up and start fires or, you know, create problems and then get you then, then, then leave. I don't, I, but we need people to stick around too. We need yeah. people who, who dig in and, and do the hard work. We don't, you know, I think there's, that, 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 I think it wants to get the mystery of the whole the Holy spirit is like, you know, sometimes you get some guys show up, and not know what he's doing. Bang. You know, it, it happens. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you got the smartest guy in the, the room banging for years and years and years and good things happen, but it's not the, it's, you don't see that, that yeah. kind of explosive growth or movement. Right. That's, it's a, it's a fascinating mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, this guy's got a bunch of other books and they, and they, they all look fascinating uh you know michael green so he's got one called joy in evangelism hmm. you know because i think what Where he's was that doing... last week evangelism in play <laughs> come on gary you're killing me but here we go it's, it's called Com- compelled by joy a lifelong passion for evangelism uh you know he's he, so if you look through, he's written like 30 books. This guy was, you know, uh, you know, but he's got a ton of stuff on evangelism. And then he wrote, he wrote some apologetic stuff. Um, but I, I, I like, but we don't, do we talk about joy in evangelism much? I don't know. Do we? I think, I think, in I think in large measures, in large places of the church, um, our concept of joy is, is, um, let's say deficient. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the right word for it, but I think it's deficient. 
Yeah, so, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's too affected by Hollywood and consumerism yeah. these days, yeah. but also, but also detached from suffering. And, and so I think not that we go seeking suffering out. Um, there, anyway, um, we'll talk about Perpetua and Felicitas uh, some other time, uh, two saints of Tunisia. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, those, those two concepts are, are, are joys uh, not re- properly fathomed. Uh, yeah, really know. I would agree. I'm, I'm that's a. Uh, I'm not an emotional guy. I'm like Irish, German, you know, Presbyterian, Presbyterian, <laughs> Scottish. It's. You know, not that yeah. you can't be joyful, but those are, you know, it's not a, it's not leaning itself. Whereas like in Spain, there's a lot of joy often and happiness yeah. and, and, and for more, more emotional expression of joy and also sadness and anger as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so joy, joy is a hard concept for me. Uh, but I would, I would like to develop that a little bit more. I want to. I think. Joyful. I think this. I think this is where the Western Church needs theologians outside of the Western Church needs to be reading mm-hmm. theologians outside of the Western Church yeah. because the the concepts of joy, and or or even not just the Western Church, but maybe minority cultures, African American yeah. culture, yeah, needs to be look, reading more theologians from from there. Yeah. And I'm I'm encouraged because I think that's starting to happen. Uh, and I know I've, I've been reading more myself. Um, I've been reading a Japanese theologian, um, as of late. Um, and he's bringing up some, some, I mean, he's really from the seventies and eighties, but, um, anyway, it's bringing up some, some good thoughts for me. Um, so no handle on the cross is one of the books I have on order right now, which I'm no handle on the cross. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading. Uh, well, man, um, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, the spirit is a wind which blows and we do not know from where it comes or where it's going. Yeah. Get on, get on, it's going. yeah. Get on that. Yeah. It's personal. Get on that. Get on that train though. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, well, uh, until the next time, um, it's good to see you. Good conversation. Good you thanks for yep. thanks for uh, thanks for finding that. And uh, stay safe. Stay. Stay hungry. Awesome. Stay <laughs> hungry. Stay. Just stay here because we may record a second podcast. Let's, yeah, we'll. Still, we'll still. <laughs> Shh, don't don't do that. inside secrets. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, until next time. Bye, con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>